Capture Podcast surveys the creative, socio-cultural and political concerns of local and international artists and designers. The podcast series is a collaboration between RMIT and the National Gallery of Victoria. I think that we've always been very... um we're very aware that we are, as curators, are facilitators. You know that moment when you hear a word, a word comes into your sort of consciousness or your practice. Enabling is this for me. Hi, I'm Rob from Capture Podcast. In this episode, we are looking into the role of caretakers and facilitators in the art and design world. First up, we have an amazing project commissioned by the National Gallery of Victoria for the triennial called Pet Lamp. This project was a collaboration between the Bula Bula artists and studio Alvaro Catalan de Alcon. Introducing the project is Miles Russell-Cook, Curator of Indigenous Art at the National Gallery of Victoria. Well, I think there's a real push for decolonising our understanding of what is contemporary art and what is contemporary design. Kind of that redesigning our understanding of design sort of starts with redefining what we consider to be design. And so the Pet Lamp and um, Bulla Bulla Raymond Ginning Collaborative That's such an amazing project because you've got the collaboration between um, Pet Lamp and the Weavers, which has been turned into that fabulous lamp, but you can also see the weavings displayed as weavings in their own right and as examples of design in their own right. So I think it's just about kind of um, re-evaluating what we consider to be um, contemporary design and contemporary art Um, in in less of a Eurocentric way. Design is just translating values into tangible experiences. And it doesn't matter what those values are or what those experiences are. It could be a house, it could be a car, it could be a book, it could be a weaving, it could be a system or a service. But what makes it design is the translation of the values into the thing. My name is Bernard Peter and Bernard is... My name after Seagull. The other lady's name Avon Munitmore. Her name is Nargenarya. That's in that is um possum with black and white dot. Mary Mary is Mary call we call it in Aboriginal name is Tapalang. And Tapalang is under Caterpillar's name. And um, Margaret is here with us. And her name is under Magpie Goose. I, I learned with my grandmother and some of my sisters. My cousin sisters teach me when I was in Millingimbi school. They were teaching us. And I was learning with them when I was um, maybe 11 or 10 years old. And I, they were teaching us. Um, Mary was... Mary, he learned in at Angangarala. That was our mission. He was he learned there, and also the Mar- Margaret, he learned there too. And even he learned. He he was there at Bring Angangarala. That was our mission. He was there before. Then she moved to Elko Island. So he he learned about. Pandanus, how to collect pandanus. She learned with her sister, cousin sister, down in Elko Island, Kalimpo. Because our grandmother, grandmother was teaching us how to make pandanus. It's a very extreme piece of weaving. 
what we thought about how to mix them together and how to bond all the pieces together was through the family bonds between the weavers. No? And at the same time, we found a family tree which was made in Raminginning, uh, but in the Aborigines tradition, no? which is like this... Um, feathers hanging from strings and then they they combine one string with the other and then they get they mix and they they, they it's like a net no with these feathers hanging and we we also got inspired by that by that image uh, on how to electrify the object no with these bulbs which hang from the bottles at different heights according to the diameter of the of the lamp which has to light no and uh, all of these uh, elements are floating in the air um, through through strings, through metal strings, which are then somehow woven onto the actual textile. Uh, and those metal strings are what takes electricity to the light bulb and make it makes it work. No, so it's it's like trying to be very respectful with the actual piece, so you don't hardly see how it works. But it's a very sophisticated and engineering, and there's a lot of engineering behind to get that very subtle view of the piece, no? So it floats very flat, and you get the light through with no cabling, with no... So all of that is something which we could think about if it was a unique piece for a museum, which was then going to be in the collection. For us, it's a bit like a picture of, of those 45 days we spent there, no? And we, <clears throat> we have a picture of those eight, nine weavers we worked with and how they are positioned in that piece according to their family bonds, which are uh, based on blood, on skin, on language, on totem, which are family bonds which we don't have as Europeans. Uh, we were adopted by... by uh, each one of us was adopted by one of the weavers. So they would explain to us all of these... Uh, these relationships they have and so on, we could, we could actually reach to this very, very, mm, very last layer of knowledge of what's happening, you know, because it's very difficult to understand. And for us, it was the first time we really got engaged in, in an Aboriginal community in Australia. These Yongle weavings, that's a, you know, a way for knowledge to be passed down matrilineally between women. Part of that whole process is gathering the pandanus, sitting, telling story, the magical recipes that go into creating the dyes. And then in order to be able to unlock that story, you really need to, um, I guess, illuminate that story. We go out and collect the colors. We dig it with um, grover and get all the colors, the yellow one and and the purple, pink. We get root from that tree. The yellow is jundum and the the purple, pink, we call it is bunyan gulcha gulcha. Yeah, so that's how we call it. Bunyan gulcha gulcha, that's pink, purple. And the yellow one, we call it jundum. We come back, peel it up, all the pandanas, then we boil it with the boiler and mix the purple with um, the small leaves. We mixed it with the small leaves and it will turn into purple pink. We don't use dye color, the balanda dye color now. We only use the traditional colors. Sometimes I weave for 
two or three weeks, and Mary, she can when when she can wear a mat or something, she can wear only for two or three days, because she's a good weaver. Mary and also Ebon and Margaret. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not me, because I would work slow, but but I'm getting there. But I'm all right. I'm getting there. You. Know. <laughs> Next up, we have Millie Catlin from These Are The Projects We Do Together, who alongside her partner, Joseph Norster, have created amazing, multidisciplinary experimental venues, such as Testing Grounds, in the heart of Melbourne, and their new venture, SiteWorks, in Brunswick. So, Joe and I have a practice called These Are The Projects We Do Together, and that was very much a name that came about because our practice together was founded on one thing and that was that we were working together. What we did, how we did it, all those things were unknown but we knew that when we talked about things, when we spent time together doing, making, thinking, it was a very creative and fruitful time. So this kind of, this this practice and this life kind of came out of that. Um, so the name just speaks to that very initial sort of start to the whole thing. So Joe and I often talk about our approach to these projects is about getting behind them and pushing them along as opposed to getting ahead of them and pulling them along. So I guess that's a a metaphor that really talks about us getting out of the way a lot of the time and allowing things to happen. At both these sites, at Testing Grounds and SiteWorks, we see our job as clearing a space for things to happen and getting out of the way and maintaining that as a safe space for people in whichever way it needs to be. So we try as much as possible um, to keep a lot of systems and um, processes as um, minimal as possible. So we're not asking people to go through complex procedural stuff in order to do something. We really see ourselves as being there for when things go wrong. And in terms of the curatorial or the sort of the message of the work, we don't want to dictate that. We don't want to curate that in any way. We want to, um, we want to get out of the way for people. And, and I think this coming back to the sort of my background in architecture, I feel like one of the most political things we are doing on these sites is actually temporarily stopping development of these sites, temporarily just holding the forces at bay. Both these sites have big question marks over them in terms of their future and in many ways that's why we've been occupying them. So for the short time that we have on these sites to just almost hold back those political and social forces and allow things to happen that that generally happen on the periphery, to happen at testing grounds in the in the middle of the arts precinct and in at this school in the middle of Brunswick. So these things that often get pushed to the fringe or that get um, that happen out of the public context can actually can actually take centre stage in a in a very public and meaningful way and have new audiences and ask questions in in ways that that maybe doesn't normally happen. I guess how we came to testing grounds and site works was a, a really sort of interesting coming together of a few different things that we were doing. One of them was programming, one of them was design and architecture, and one of them is sort of on the ground operations of a site, so managing the infrastructure, I guess. So that's um, 
quite, I guess, quite unusual for those three things to be done by one group of people. So we're not we're not an arts organisation um, in in that sort of way. We sort of managing the operations of sites. So in many ways, we we call ourselves the caretakers. We and we do that quite um, thoughtfully, and we see our presence in these buildings as um, one of being host, one of taking care, one of welcoming the public. There's a very generous attitude towards opening the doors to these sites and, and allowing people to use them. So it's very much an idea that our experience with these buildings, almost our sort of intimate understanding of these buildings and the site and its complexities and its nuances, um, over five years has a way of then informing the future. What we're taking into consideration here is time and we have we have lots of time on the ground and on the site and talking to people and and really embracing the building for all its sort of brutal ugliness and all its faults and all its issues and coming to understand how it operates in, in, in detailed ways, how the how the wind travels through the corridor on particular days and how the sun moves across the site and these sorts of things that you can only come to understand through time. Capture Podcast was created in the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Our team would like to thank our contributors and you for listening. 